Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. It ain't the left side. For the right side, and it must be the fin side. side. It ain't the left side. For the right, right side. Good evening, Dolphins fans. Welcome to another episode of On the Fin Side with Kat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, all of our social media outlets, as well as the Fan Sided Network and FinFanatic.com. It's been about six weeks here, Paul, since we have been on the air talking Miami Dolphins football. And it's really for good reason because there's really not anything going on except whatever Twitter nonsense is being talked about, things I don't want to be a part of. Maybe other people do, and I respect that. But really between you know, early June spanning to mid-July, there's nothing going on in football. And it's really the only time of the year when football has nothing going on. So uh, w- what have you been doing over the last six weeks? Oh, man. Like... We got consumed with all-star baseball and all the politics involved with that. Um, God, man, we, yeah, it, trying to get through the summer. Um, it, it, it's been a busy one. You know, I've got a per- little bit of personal stuff going on that I haven't really shared out, but um, yeah, getting ready for football now, man, both, both coaching and this wonderful, wonderfully optimistic looking Dolphin seasons. How about you? Uh, my two-year-old is talking now. Uh, well, I mean, he was talking before. Uh, he was talking six weeks ago, but he's talking in complete sentences now, which is really exciting. And one thing I do during the during this time during during this six weeks is I memorize the depth charts for every single NFL team, and I'm right about ninety-five percent of the time. I, I go for a walk or, or just during the day when other people do certain things, I memorize NFL depth charts. 
So I know, I know it's kind of weird, but I don't follow any other sports. I don't have any other hobbies besides dolphins football and the NFL in general. So I'm just kind of a weird dude, you know? Well, we knew you were a weird dude. Now, I, I, <laughs> I struggle to think what your little guy is saying based on knowing you off the air. <laughs> what does that mean? I, I said I struggle to think what, what words are coming out of your little guy's mouth after knowing you off the air. Yeah, uh, we make sure that we keep the football talk uh, minimal around him so that he has a normal childhood upbringing. So, you know, I've seen the pictures. I know that's a lie. No, he's uh, all about, no, he's, he's a normal kid. I'm trying to have him grow up to not, you know, be like me, you know, somebody who does Miami dolphins podcast with, uh, with Paul Pickett. So uh, I was say, uh, (laughs) make sure he's like Rachel, but a dolphins fan. How about that? Fair enough. Fair (laughs) enough. So, you know, as far as just the talk that's been going on over the last couple, couple of months, it's not a surprise. It's all about Tua. And I love the talk that's going on because I, I've always said, I mean, you, you know that, that I've always said that when it comes to a quarterback or a head coach talking to the media or making himself available. I'm not a big fan of that usually, but what is there to lose when you're to a tongue of Iloa here in the off season? You know, he's been really outspoken about you know, just a couple of days ago. He was talking about how um, he's glad to have an offensive minded head coach like Mike McDaniel, uh, Tyreek Hill is doing the off season podcast here. And it, it typically that stuff would bother me, but it's not this year. And the reason for that is because what do you have to lose? I mean, look, Tyree kills 28 years old Tua is go. We're going to know about him. If not this year, then over the next couple of years. So I say, let's put all the cards on the table on the offensive side of the ball, moving forward here and, and have some confidence. Yeah. I mean, I, I like the swagger this team is really gaining in a single offseason. And the things Tyreek Hill is saying, he doesn't have to come out and say. Uh, it, it's, you know, you see Tua, and granted, people get pissed when Tua does anything that's not football related, but you see Tua out there organizing a lot of his teammates right now to, to participate in some throwing drills, some running some plays. And, and I'm really, really digging what I'm seeing as far as the team being on the same page. And I I think Mike McDaniel and the rest of this team has tied their fate to Tua's, which says a lot right now, especially given the fact that Bridgewater's on the roster. And we're breaking down the Dolphins offense here as we go into training camp. And uh, training camp, the rookies report, here on July 19th. And then a week after that on the 26th, the entire team reports. So we are getting really close. We're in single digit days till we get into training camp. And um, yeah, I mean, it's as I like the confidence. I like the swagger, just like you said, having said that historically, there's not been a lot of reason to have a lot of swagger for the dolphins. I mean, you look just at last year, the dolphins were 25th in the NFL offensively in points. No, excuse me, 22nd in points, 25th in total yardage. As far as passing, they were 17th 
in yardage, 23rd in quarterback rating, and rushing the football, they were even worse. They were 30th in yardage and 31st in yards per carry. And you look back at the last 20 to 30 years, it's gotten even worse. I mean, it was even worse. I mean, it's been 28 years since the Dolphins have been in the top 10 on offense. And I mean, it's, but my, my point is personnel wise, you take a look at, you take a look at the offense and how it looks heading into this training camp. There's a lot to like on paper here. Well, not only that, like it's, those numbers are bad. If you look at them in a vacuum, but think about it this way. We barely had an offensive game plan last year. We barely had an offensive line. We gave the offensive line zero help as far as our play calling. And we didn't have half the weapons we have this year. So well, I think one of the top ranks you gave was 16th in the NFL on offense. Said I forget which, which stat that was. That's pretty damn good considering no offensive line, no game planning for weather. Um, one-dimensional on offense with a crippled offensive line. And half the we- not, not even half the weapons that we have this year. And now we're going in with an offensive-minded coach where it already sounds like there's a plan. Um, we've got the weapons. We've upgraded the offensive line. Okay, cool. Let's see what we can do from there. Yeah, I mean, it's nice to see in these preseason magazines and these preseason rankings that the Dolphins actually have something to hang their head on. And it too is going to be the person that takes the Dolphins to that next level if he's going to do it. But at wide receiver, you look at these preseason magazines and rankings, you, you see two wide receivers in the top 20 and Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle. Some, you know, two in the top 15. At tight end, Mike Kosicki, one of the better receiving tight ends in the NFL. Um, you know, top five in yardage over the last in each of the last two years. Um, and now on, on the offensive line, they add Teron Arms to the left tackle, they add Carter Williams at left guard, and now he's moved to center, and he's gonna be the he's gonna be the center starting out here in training camp. So that's you start taking a look at this roster on offense and you look at this, the, the, uh, the starting 11 and you see Jalen Waddle, Tyree kill Teron Armstead, Connor Williams. You're starting to look at players who are not, you know, C or C plus type of types of guys, but B plus to a type of dudes. Well, and I'll be honest with you. I'm, really hoping that none of them play in the pro bowl this year because they're a little busy getting ready for another game. Well, uh, it's possible. We'll see what happens there. It's a tough AFC. If if the dolphins were in in the NFC, I would put them in the playoffs right now and probably pretty high up on that chain. I was going to say they'd be, they'd be battling for number one. If they were in the NFC right now, like, not saying they'd be number one, but they'd be battling for it. Maybe. And the guy that's got to take them, take them there is Tua. Because it, a question I have for you is, what? let's say Tua starts 17 games here mm-hmm. this year. What stat line or numbers would he have to reach to say, okay, this guy is without question the franchise quarterback moving forward? 
Well, I'm going to preface that with something that I've said on this show year in and year out. For me, more so than the stat line, because you can lie with stats. You can absolutely lie with stats, is the eye test. But at the same time, with this probably being a run-focused offense, despite all these weapons at receiver, at tight end, you name it, um, if I see 4,200-plus yards out of two of this year uh, with – at least 20 touchdowns and less than half that in interceptions. I, there, there is no reason that they should not be deep into the playoffs. Yeah. And that's really the same stat line I was after too, because uh, in 2019, when teams were playing 16 games instead of 17, you look at Jimmy Garoppolo in 2019, when the 49ers went to the Super Bowl, and it wasn't, specifically Garoppolo. They were a defense. The 49ers were a team that had a great defense and, and a great supporting cast overall. Uh, he went 329 for 476. Uh, 69.1% completion percentage, almost 4,000 yards, 27 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. That's right about where Tua needs to be. Because if he were to do that, he would be pushing the top 10 to 12 quarterbacks in the NFL with Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddell and Mike Kosicki as his receiving threats. And on the defensive side of the ball, the Dolphins are returning everybody from a defense that was fantastic. And they're enriching it a little bit. They are. Awesome. And the other thing I'd say, too, is, you know, we talked about the receiving threats that he's got. We can't rule out Cedric Wilson. We can't rule out Lynn Bowden and out of the backfield. They've got a lot of guys that can catch the ball out of the backfield now, um, whether it's at fullback with Alec Ingold, whether it's at running back with Chase Edmonds, Raheem Mostert, uh, Z- uh, Miles Gaskin, Saquandre White, Sony Michelle. Um, they've got a lot, a lot, a lot of guys that can catch the ball and you got to factor in some of these tight ends that a we're expecting Hunter Long to take a leap in year two, and we've still got Shaheen and Smythe who both started to turn it on last season a little bit. Absolutely. So let's start digging into the positions here. So at quarterback, obviously Tua and Bridgewater are going to be the the one and two, and then Skylar Thompson. To me, it's Skylar Thompson against himself in training camp, and that's going to be one of the more interesting stories in August because the Dolphins thought they had four draft picks and they thought enough of him to draft him in the seventh round. And you look at uh, Mike McDaniel with the 49ers, you know, developing Nick Mullins, who is a backup right now for the Raiders. And you look at CJ Beathard, who's a backup right now for the Jaguars. You know, he, he, they were able to develop those guys who didn't necessarily have the, you know, best arm or best physical talent, but were able to acclimate themselves into a system. And that's what I think they're going to be looking for out of Skylar Thompson here in preseason. They are. They're, they're looking for that long-term backup um, that can challenge and, and, and win games. And right now, Teddy Bridge, Bridgewater's here as a rental. Um, but if Skylar Thompson can, can show that he potentially could be the guy, if Miami's in a position to need, there are still several teams out there like that I don't feel have a quarterback right now. And, and Teddy could be a trade chip as the season wears on 
before the trade deadline, potentially depending on Skylar Thompson's development. So is he competing with Teddy for the backup role? Probably not. But is he competing with himself, as you put it, for the backup role? Absolutely, because he's a guy that showed a lot of promise, a unique skill set, and something that I think an offensive mind like Mike McDaniel could potentially leverage and, and, and use as we move forward here. Yeah, and Bridgewater's contract is fully guaranteed, so he's going to be here the entire year. Um, Skylar Thompson, the question is, does he show enough to be that backup in 2023 and 2024? And that's going to be the major question with him. Um, and Because if not, they're probably going to cut him at the end of camp and then try to get him back on the practice squad. So running back. Now, and obviously Chase Edmonds, you know, who signs a, a two-year, $12 million contract, he's going to be the guy getting the majority of the touches. The way I look at this, Paul, is I really think Raheem Mostert and Sonny Michelle, both of them are not going to make the team. I, I, I think it's going to be one or the other because what's, what's the point of having two or, or, excuse me, three veteran running backs on the roster here when not one of them stand out in one particular area. Well, I mean, if in honesty, we're talking about, you know, three, three amongst the backups that are veterans because miles Gaskin, we're at the point of calling him a veteran now. And I think he's got a, a Jack of all skill set in a way that Sony Michelle doesn't. So I think it's going to be a battle between Sony Michelle and Raheem Mostert's knee. That's what it boils down to. Can Raheem Mostert stay healthy? Or is he going to be the Devontae Parker uh, of, of our running back room? Um, and That's a great, that, that is a great comparison there. Um, and yeah, Mostert but, well, versus Michelle well, versus Gaskin is something I didn't consider. The, the other factor, too, is I think Zaquandre White sticks. Um, he, he played some linebacker in college. He's a guy that I think could be fighting for the, the starting role in 2023. And what he adds that I don't see from Mostert from Sony, Michelle or miles Gaskin is his play at linebacker could enable him to be active on game days. Even if they only keep four of those five guys, because he can go out there and play some special teams and make a tackle for you. Mm-hmm. I don't see Gaskin, Michelle, or Mostert being a kick returner, a punt returner, or covering kicks and punts. And, and that's where Zaquandre White also cements his chance as a dark horse here, as somebody that I think does make this final roster. And he's got some moves that I'm very excited to see in a Mike McDaniel offense. Yeah, that experience as a linebacker certainly would help his roster chances. And we're also going to talk about that with some of the wide receivers here too. Um, it, Raheem Mostert to me is either going to be the Dolphins day one starting running back, uh, even ahead of Chase Edmonds, who could be more of a chess piece, or he's going to be cut outright. And Sony Michelle is going to be the guy that takes his spot over Raheem Mostert. That that's the way I look at it because when. Chase Edmonds is making this team. He's a certain lock, and Raheem Mostert has got a guaranteed $1 million in guaranteed money, and Sony Michelle got $875,000. So 
to me, one of them is going to make the roster. And it, if I'm projecting it right now, Paul, I'm going to say that it's going to be Chase Edmonds, Raheem Mostert, Sony Michelle gets cut. And then White is the fourth running back. And I've got to say, Miles Gaskin may make the team yeah. here as the third guy because he's he can offer a skill set nobody else can. He could be kind of the James White type of receiving threat in this offense. The interesting thing for me is I need to see if Mostert's speed is still there, given the injury that he had. Yep. If Mostert has lost a step, he stands no chance of making this roster. Agree. And then you're going to see Sony Michelle, Miles Gaskin, and Zaquandre White be the backups to Chase Edmonds. And believe it or not, depending upon the week, Sony Michelle may be the inactive back amongst those four. Um, it's Miles Gaskin because of his duality threats, um, which I think lends a little bit better than than Sony Michelle. And Zaquandre White because of his special teams coverage and the fact that he can get in there and, and and bang around a little bit off of people and maybe make something happen. Sony Michelle, as you put it before on, on a, a previous show, is is a little bit bigger back as far as the Dolphins' backfield goes. So again, it, it's it's going to be interesting how this running back room shakes out, and I doubt either. I doubt that Garrett Dokes makes it. But Savan Ahmed, with his speed, could potentially be a dark horse to take one of those spots. He could. Um, Dokes and Ahmed are on the bottom of the roster that could impress. And what's interesting is that Ahmed was on the 49ers. He was initially signed by them as an undrafted free agent, but they also cut him. So we'll see. Um Zaquandre Wright, yeah. I mean, I, I see on paper the versatility with his linebacker experience, special team experience, and his upside as a running back. But also, it has to be asked, why was he in an undrafted free agent too? So he any undrafted free agent faces an uphill battle to make the team, always. Well, and that, that's where I just want to chime in quick because I know we've had Rob Profit on the show previously. Um, I reached out to him because he's a huge Gamecocks guy. And the big thing he said was basically he was just, you know, with them converting him back from a linebacker to a running back, which he played linebacker uh, at, what was it, Florida State for two years. And the fact that he was always in a log jam at the running back position with, with Carolina. Um it, it it was he was a team first guy. He he does all those things that check all the boxes. Just he was in a log jam there that he's not anymore. And I'm interested to see what he can do with some development, especially since again watching them watching Mike McDaniel and the way that he's schemed offenses and plays out in San Francisco. He requires something a little bit different from a running back than just you know take the top guy on the top of the board at the draft that guy's skill set may not fit into what mike mcdaniel is trying to do and that's where you may see it get a little unconventional at the position but also be more productive with that unconventional player yeah i mean positional versatility is going to matter with this with this regime there's no doubt about that 
And we'll get to that with the wide receivers too, because I see four locks at the position. Well, hold Tyree- on. Before we move to that wide receiver room, we have another battle to talk about. Fullback? Yes. Oh, my God. We got a couple no, on the roster. There, there, there's no battle at fullback. Alec Ingold is the fullback. And then we move on to the next step. Well, I mean, you can't even mention John Lovett. No. A backup fullback? <laughs> How many fullbacks are you keeping here, Kat? One. One max. And that's only because Alec Ingold is one of the best fullbacks in the NFL. Behind Kyle Juszczyk and Patrick Ricard. That's it. Backup fullback. Are you? I, I, I mean, I'm. I'm only keeping one two, and I'm going with Alec Ingold as well. Thank God, <laughs> John Lovett. I, I forgot he was on the team. I oh, forgot it won't he was be very long. And the backup fullback is actually Christian Wilkins. Maybe we'll sign John Lovett notice. to the practice squad. <laughs> no. No, but if we get a fullback on the practice squad, I am going to take up so much time in that episode talking about it. <laughs> I will. Yeah, that's no problem. That's I will grant you that. <laughs> I mean, we could carve out a whole segment of that. Nobody will listen, but we can carve out a whole segment. I think it um, would be so entertaining that people would listen, even though they don't give a damn. Okay, so. Uh, of course, we've taken up three minutes talking about fullbacks. I'm so, working on four, baby. Let's go. <laughs> uh, wide receiver, four locks Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddell, Cedric Wilson, Eric Ezekama. And then to me, I see a straightforward competition between two dudes, Preston Williams and Lynn Bode, because I don't see both of them making the team because they can't be a special teams flyer. So I, I see one of them making the team. And if that's the case, I know who your guy is. Yeah. I'm going to, in honor of that baseball poster you have behind you for our new season of, of on the fin side, uh, th- there's a gesture in baseball that I have for one Preston Williams. You're out of here. That's what I'm ready for. That is what I'm ready for. Trade him, cut him, put him on IR, put him on unable to perform the PUP list, whatever. Just put him on the PUP list right away because he's going to end up on IR anyway. Yeah, he probably is. And Preston Williams, and by the way, this uh, th- this post over here, it's only because I slightly uh, adjusted the uh, camera lens here. But, um, yeah, it, as far as Preston Williams is concerned, he didn't get a lot of guaranteed money, and it's straightforward with him with Lynn Bowden because they only, they only play offensive roles. But after that, to me, you've got a battle for the sixth wide receiver position. With three, with with a lot of guys, but there's a reason why River Craycraft, uh, Sheffield, and and Cody Core have played so many special team snaps already in the NFL, and are battling for one spot. Be- I mean, River Craycraft uh, had has had 
362 special team snaps over the last four years with the 49ers and with the Broncos. Trent Shurfield, 741 special team snaps over the last four years with the 49ers and with the Cardinals. Cody Core between 2016 and 2019 with this with the Bengals and the Giants had 743 special team snaps. I see them having the inside. One of those three guys are going to have the inside edge for that six wide receiver spot with obviously the backups and, and the undrafted free agents battling for that spot. That's how I look, Paul, at the final wide receiver position. Well, here's the thing. You mentioned three guys battling for that last spot based on special teams, but there's a fourth guy battling for that last spot based on special teams. And that's Devonte Dedman, uh, who's coming down from the CFL over the past two seasons up there in, in, in Canada, he has five special teams, touchdowns, three on punt returns, two on kickoff returns. He's averaging 27.2 yards per return on kickoffs and 15.4 yards per return on punts. Um, and, and he could be, he literally had in 2021 over 1,200 kickoff return yards. Wow. On less than 50 returns. Um, that is tremendous. And I understand that some of these guys can cover punts, can cover kickoffs. But Devontae Dedman may be the next threat as a kick and punt returner. So he has a chance to beat all three of them out for a spot on this roster, even if he never sniffs the field as a wide receiver in a game. Um, he, is a, he is one to watch yep. when the final roster cuts come down. And he's number 83 here on the Dolphins this year. Good be number. sure to watch out for him. They will probably change that number as they, they make a few cuts. Same number as former Dolphin Wes Welker. I'm not uh, not saying anything or drawing any comparisons. That's but, that's uh, the 83 you go with. Who else was Clayton? Oh, that was before my time. Jesus, <laughs> Mark Mark Clayton's phenomenal, and I know uh, Mark Duper was uh, what 89, 85, 85. Okay, okay. You're old. Uh, Let's move on. (laughs) Tight end. It's pretty straightforward as far as I'm concerned. Mike Kosicki, the deadline is passed. He's going to be a Dolphin here under the franchise tag, and I think that's good uh, for both sides. I I don't know how you feel about it, Paul, but I see this being Mike Kosicki's last year as a Miami Dolphin, not because – of anything bad, but you know, I, I don't see him, the dolphins paying 15 plus million a year for a third receiving option with Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill on the roster. I think it is his last year as a dolphin. And I think it's for other reasons. Um, our one hope here is that he builds up such a great rapport with Mike McDaniel that he wants to be here. Uh, because I do think in this offense, with all the other threats around, he's going to be one of those forgotten weapons at times. And it's going to, the offense that McDaniel draws up is going to allow for the tight end to be tremendously productive, as we saw in San Francisco. 
So I think the offensive scheme is going to price Gesicki out of the market unless he wants to be here. Yeah, possibly. I I look at those three guys together, and I think Tyreek Hill is not Tyreek Hill is not going to be a fourteen hundred yard receiver. Waddle eleven hundred yards, and Mike Gesicki, you know, seven eight hundred yards, and then other mouths to feed still Cedric Wilson, um, Durham Smythe, the running backs, everything for that to happen Tua would have to throw for 5,000 yards. And I don't think that's going to happen. So I I think somebody's going to be unhappy here on the offense, but I do think Mike, Mike is going to have fewer yardage, fewer yards than he did last year as a receiving tight end. He's going to go somewhere else, and he's going to make a lot of money. Um, and I just think that's what's what's going to happen. So after Gasicki, after Durham Smythe, who was resigned for two years, $8 million, and Hunter Long, who was the third-round pick last year, it seems to be a two-man competition for that final roster spot, if at all, between Seath and Carter and Adam Shaheen. Well, given I Stephen Carter doesn't have a chance um, in my mind. I, I saw nothing from him that could outproduce what we've seen out of Adam Shaheen. The interesting thing is going to be if Miami is able to keep four tight ends or not, um, or if they they expand in other areas based around the fact that they have a fullback. It'd be very unconventional to keep four tight ends and a fullback. It would not surprise me to see Miami go in with Tanner Connor on the practice squad and Hunter Long, if he can look like the the guy that was at BC, is probably going to unseat Shaheen. And Shaheen could be a dark horse to be the fourth tight end if they manage to keep one. Yeah, I... so if I'm hearing you correctly, you think both Seathan Carter and Shaheen are probably going to end up not making the roster. Carter, definitely not. Shaheen, only if they're able to keep a fourth tight end. Uh, and if, if, if I was another team, too, I would easily throw a late seventh rounder to the Dolphins for Adam Shaheen because of his physical upside. And, you know, he's he has been a great player, but he's certainly somebody that you can put in your offense as a second tight end for another team. He's been more effective than probably the tight ends on 14 other teams out there. I agree. And that alone makes it worthwhile for the Dolphins to potentially shop him around. Um, This is going to be a roster that as August wears on, we're going to potentially see a handful of moves for decent players because we're loaded up now. Um, and, you know, if Miami keeps three quarterbacks and a fullback and six guys at wide receiver, tight ends a position that you're probably going to have to cut somebody and somebody that is a name that people like. Absolutely. And moving along to the probably most important position on this team and for this season, offensive line. about fullback. <laughs> Nobody cares about that. Three positions so far. Actually, actually, let me let me go back to that. Alec Ingold is probably my favorite player on the team 
because he completely eliminates the conversation. He's he is easily a top five fullback in the NFL. Don't you so, dare buy his jersey. So we don't even have to talk about the position. He's he's the fullback, period. If, I love it. If you buy his jersey, we're going to have to talk about it an awful lot because we'll be looking for a new fullback by week six. <laughs> we'll see what we can do about that. The captains are um, offensive line. Obviously an improvement here with Teron Armstead and Connor Williams. But what I didn't expect is there to be so much certainty heading into camp when it, it really seems like it's settled from left to right as far as the starting jobs are concerned. Teron Armstead, left tackle, left guard, Liam Eikenberg, center, Connor Williams, right guard, oh, blank, uh, Robert Hunt, of course, and at right tackle, Austin Jackson. Um, what keeps me awake at night, Paul? Austin Jackson protecting Tua Tungavailoa's blindside. I, I mean, Robert Hunt has to be the break glass in case of emergency type of situation here. I mean, well, before we talk about Austin Jackson, though, I think the most critical thing along this offensive front is Connor Williams is definitely going to start. But does he end up starting at center or does the best offensive line feature him at left guard and Dieter at center? Everything I've been told, everything I've been told so far is that Connor Williams, no question, is the starting center. Connor Williams, no question, enters training camp as the starting center. Don't forget Dallas experimented with the thought of him at center um, during the preseason last year and rapidly got away from it once the pads and the lights came on. And Connor Williams is phenomenal as a left guard. So if he gets unseated or if Liam Eikenberg doesn't do a great job at left guard, or if your best offensive line features Eichenberg at right guard, Connor Williams at left guard, Dieter at center, and Robert Hunt at right tackle, which will get figured out very easily once the pads come on, that could be something that unseats a few folks. And you know, it, yeah. it's it's right now the plan is Connor Williams is a starting center. Yep. That doesn't mean in two weeks Connor Williams is, is a starting center. It means he's on yep. the starter on the offensive line for sure. And I, I've always thought that Liam Eikenberg's best position is at left guard uh, because the, the player I've always compared him to is uh, Justin Peele from – uh, he was a first-round pick of the Giants back in 2013, and he's been, when healthy, a really good player. But he always had short arms. He was versatile. He could play all positions, and he was a technician. And that's what Liam Eichenberg strikes me as. So now, if you line him up at left guard, I think you may have a really good football player. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the edge, he just, I mean, the arms don't lie. The arms don't lie. I keep saying there's a reason why 33-inch arms is, is the cutoff point ex- for everybody except for Braden Smith for the Colts at right tackle, okay? And so I, I think I'm glad that Eichenberg is being pushed into the left guard spot. But after that, Paul, with those five guys for right now being um, being in the starting lineup, 
The sixth guy is uh, is is Michael Dieter, obviously. Uh, it, it, he seems to be the backup for all three of those interior positions, center and both guard spots. Um, definitely for center, potentially for guard. I wouldn't say he's definitely the backup of guard. Robert Jones looked phenomenal in limited action last year. Uh, and I think could potentially challenge as much as I do like Eichenberg could potentially challenge Eichenberg at that left guard spot. And then I'm rooting for Solomon Kinley to make the roster. I'm hopeful Solomon Kinley makes the roster, but we've also got guys like blaze Andrews and, and Kellen Deesh to talk about. Yeah. There's after Armstead, Eichenberg, Connor Williams, Robert hunt, Austin Jackson, and Michael Dieter, the clear cut locks among the top six. And then Robert hunt, who is on the definitely on the inside of that as the seventh guy, Robert Jones, Robert Hunt's top five, uh, R- R- Robert Jones. I'm sorry. Um, so he would be the seventh guy there. Um, then you have an interesting battle between some career underachievers, Greg little and Solomon Kinley. Um, and somebody has to make the roster as the eighth and ninth offensive lineman. And then also too, what factors into that is you've got blaze Andres and Kellen Deesh, two players we were shocked were not drafted, uh, competing for those spots too. So this, to me, the offensive line, those you know, seventh, eighth, ninth offensive line spots are, are some of the most interesting battles of training camp here. They are, and if if Greg Little makes the final roster, and you end up with Kellen Deesh or Blaze Andrews on the practice squad, make no mistake. Deesh or Andrews, if they're on the practice squad and Little is on the main roster, will be promoted by Halloween. Uh, Greg Little, throughout his career, has proven to be the Preston Williams of the offensive line. It's He can't play past Halloween without going on IR. And uh, even if he did, he wouldn't be playing very well. He's been a bad football player for the last four years. Oh, I'm just but- talking about practice. Like it, He's going to get hurt in practice and, and end up on IR. It's just that some people's bodies can't hold up to the NFL grind. And Greg Little has shown to be one of those. Physically, when I saw him in preseason last year for the Dolphins, after they traded for him, I thought he looked good in the preseason games. But that's, you know, there are so many other things going on there. I mean, when a player is like Greg Little, who is a clear cut, first round pick five-star recruit and then he falls to the middle of the second round with the Panthers and then they give up on him so easily um and then they trade him to the Dolphins for a a late seventh round draft pick I mean that kind of tells you everything they did that everything is trending down when it comes to Greg Little they would have traded Greg Little the Dolphins for extra fries at McDonald's at that point let's face it I still respect the trade, though. Um, oh, yeah, it was worth it was worth the stab. Because if if I again, I'll say this again. If I were GM, I would never even own a seventh round draft pick. I would just be trading them for basically, you know, falling kitchen knives. <laughs> so <laughs> would you trade them for a pullback? No, never. 
I love myself too much for that. So, Paul, that's going to wrap up our show. No. <laughs> Do we want to talk about any defenders? Uh, no, we're going to get to the defensive players in our future segment here on the Finn side next week. You know, there's actually not a lot to go through on defense because we're basically returning everybody. There's a few. There's a lot. Yeah. Um, We'll be sure to come back next week for that. But anything else, Paul, that jumped out from chat? Not really a huge amount. Like, I, I know a lot of folks are curious about, you know, what we do along the offensive line. We had some talk about fullbacks in our chat. Um, you know, there, there's the same debate we had about, you know, those, those bottom four wide receivers and, and who could make the roster based on special teams prowess. Um, uh, I think somebody had pointed out that Sherfield and Craycraft could be a heck of a pair of gunners on, on punk coverage. Um, but nah, man, it's just, it's nice to be back. It's good to be back. God, it is like- really, it is really good to be back. Cause I don't follow any other sport. It, it feels like it's an eternity since we've been on here. Uh, yeah. It's only been six weeks. And now here's the biggest thing is between now in mid July and in mid May, we're going to have 10 months of straight Miami dolphins coverage. And we're great, great, very grateful that you all could be part of this here from preseason to the end of draft season. And that's going to do it for our breakdown of the Dolphins offensive training camp. Look, I'm Brian Cat NFL and Paul is fanatic underscore pick. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, all of our social media outlets. And if it's not on the right side and not on the left side, it is on the fin side. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. What's spring like in Park City, Utah? Imagine waking up on a bluebird day to ski the greatest snow on earth at two world-class resorts, Park City Mountain and Deer Valley. Exploring miles of wide open spaces by snowshoe or cross-country skis. Wandering our historic Main Street with its opera ski scene and award-winning restaurants. When you love it like we love it, Park City, Utah will always be winter's favorite town. Join the experience at visitparkcity.com.